0: This program has been approved for one AMA PRA Category 1 credit. This webcast has also been approved for ABIM Maintenance of Certification points through the partnership between the ACCME and the ABIM. The following continuing medical education activity is the property of The Ohio State University. Duplication is prohibited by law. The Ohio State University is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, also known as ACCME. OSU Center for Continuing Medical Education designates this CME activity for a maximum of one AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Each physician should claim only those credits that are actually spent on this CME activity. In keeping with the essential standards of the ACCME, Planning Committee members and participating faculty have been asked to disclose any relationship with commercial entities, discussion of commercial products, services, or unapproved off-label usage of commercial products or devices. Specific disclosure information can be obtained by contacting the Center for Continuing Medical Education at ccme.osu.edu. The information presented in this CME activity is meant for educational purposes only. Physicians' own judgment must remain central in the selection of the therapy options for their patients' specific medical conditions. The following is supported in part by The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center and Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital and Solove Research Institute. Dementia. That's today's presentation with the following distinguished faculty from the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center and Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital and Solov Research Institute. And now, our medical editor and moderator, Dr. Jing Jing Mao.
1: Dementia comes from the Latin word demens, meaning out of one's mind. The term has been in use since the 13th century to refer to all sorts of psychiatric and neurological conditions leading to altered mental status. It wasn't until the 19th century that dementia was recognized as a medical condition deserving of medical care. In 1906, German physician Dr. Alois Alzheimer examined the brain of a recently deceased patient, Auguste Dieter. Frau Dieter was a 51-year-old suffering from short-term memory loss, unpredictable behaviors, and language problems. She was institutionalized in a Frankfurt asylum where she met Dr. Alzheimer. After her death, he examined her brain and discovered clumps of amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. These changes later became known as Alzheimer's disease, the most common form of dementia. Now we know there are several other causes and forms of dementia. Currently, dementia is the seventh leading cause of death worldwide. There is no known cure and management can be quite challenging. So to discuss this disease, I've invited two of Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center's dementia experts. I am pleased to introduce Assistant Professor of Neurology, Dr. Sumia Buchachi who specializes in treating Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, and Associate Professor of Internal Medicine, Dr. Guibin Lee. Guibin is a geriatrician who founded the Cognitive Assessment Clinic at OSU and serves as the Geriatrics Fellowship Director. Sumia Guibin, welcome to MedNet.
2: Thank you Thank so
1: you. much, Dr. Mo. Thanks for
3: having us. Sumia, so, what
1: kind of memory changes can be normal with aging?
3: Uh, with aging, we can have some uh, some memory changes, uh, some decline of the memory. What we call uh, senior moments. We can forget some uh, some information. We can have some lapses of memory. Uh, we can forget people's names mm-hmm. uh, that people like former former classmates. But the information comes back usually. Um, uh, but the the symptoms are really mild, very mild. Okay. And Guibin, uh, what is the prognosis like for a
1: patient once they're diagnosed with dementia?
2: So usually from the diagnosis to uh, to the end of stage of dementia, it takes
1: about eight to ten years. Okay, all right. Thank you so much. Now, for our audience, we are doing our yearly needs assessment right now, which means we would like to hear from you about what programs you would want to see on our program next season. You can submit your suggestions by completing our needs assessment survey on our website at edu/mednet, Or you can use your phone and scan the QR code on the screen, which will take you directly there. You can find all of our programs on our website as well as by podcast by searching for MedNet 21 CME on your podcast app. If you have any questions about our programs, you can send them our way by using the Ask a Question feature on the webcast player. Now let's get started. Sumia?
3: Because of the aging population, the burden of dementia on the economy and society is increasing. 5.8 million people aged 65 or more in the U.S. are living with Alzheimer's disease. The number is expected to increase to about, to about 15 million by the mid-century. The dementia does not only affect the patients, but it also affects the family members, friends, as it requires hours of unpaid work, uh, with the patients and, and paid care. Uh, so what is dementia? According to the DSM-5, dementia or major neurocognitive disorder is characterized by a significant decline in cognition compared with a previously known cognitive baseline, which does not include developmental uh, uh, delays and, um, and uh, problems that have been unchanged throughout life. Uh, The decline should involve at least one of the following uh, cognitive domains. Learning and memory, language, executive functions, attention, perceptual, motor, or social cognition. The cognitive deficits must be significant enough to interfere with activities of daily living. This is to distinguish dementia from mild cognitive impairment, which is a cognitive deficit, uh, that is not significant enough to, to interfere with activities of daily living. So how to assess patients with cognitive uh, complaint? During the in-person assessment, the aim of history taking is to recognize cognitive and behavioral changes in the individual. We are looking for, a, for an impairment in at least two of the following domains. First, impairment, uh, impaired ability to acquire and remember new information. Like for example, patients would repeat themselves, the family notice a repetition. Uh, they, they notice um, repeating questions and repeating uh, sentences or statements. Uh, they misplace items. Uh, they can also forget appointments or events. Um, Second, we have impaired reasoning and handling of complex tasks and poor judgment. Like for example, uh, the patient would have uh, difficulty managing finances, they can take poor uh, financial decisions, Uh, they have problems with uh, organizing tasks, prioritizing tasks, um, and sometimes assessing safety risks also. Uh, Third, we have impaired visual spatial abilities, Uh, patients can get lost when driving, Uh, they can sometimes have difficulty recognizing faces, Uh, they can have difficulty recognizing objects, Uh, they sometimes have difficulty dressing themselves because of orientation problems, Uh, they cannot orient their body. Uh, Fourth, we have impaired language, so it can affect Uh, spoken language, it can affect writing and reading. So patients can have difficulty finding their words, Uh, they can have spelling problems, they can have deciphering or reading problems. Change in personality, behavior, or comportment. So uh, the family may notice this. They may notice some change in personality, some aggressive behavior, agitation that's unusual. Uh, Sometimes they notice uh, new uh, obsessive compulsive symptoms. Uh, Sometimes they they notice a loss of empathy. Uh, Like, for example, uh, the spouse loses a uh, a, uh, a relative, and then they're just... uh, what, what are we gonna have for dinner, for example. So the caregiver needs to be interrogated separately in order to avoid uncomfortable situations, uh, as the patient is often unaware of, the, uh, of his cognitive or behavioral problems. Um, some, uh, most of the time, the patient's, uh, the patient's caregiver is uncomfortable talking about uh, the, the cognitive problems in front of the patient. and and that's why it's very crucial to talk to them separately. Uh, It is very important to take a good medical history. Uh, uh, For example, stroke risk factors, such as uh, high blood pressure, uh, uh, dyslipidemia, diabetes, uh, can increase the risk factors for vascular dementia. They can also increase the risk factors for Alzheimer's disease. Um, uh, We need to get history about uh, autoimmune disorders, uh, because autoimmune disorders can affect uh, the central nervous system and can cause significant cognitive impairment. Like, for example, lupus uh, or, uh, or Hashimoto's thyroiditis, uh, which can have significant cognitive impairment with the symptoms. We need to get a history of, uh, of cancer because cancers can metastasize in the brain and can cause uh, cognitive problems. Uh, HIV infection can cause uh, cognitive issues that can go from very mild to, to pretty advanced dementia uh, mental illness uh, as, as patients older patients when they have when they have a, a, a depression they can they can have a lot of cognitive problems and um, that needs to be recognized uh, medication side effects we need to really check All the medication lists for the patient to check for uh, benzodiazepines opiates Uh, we also need to ask for over-the-counter medication that's taken for example allergy medication can have significant anticholinergic effect that can affect the cognitive function Uh, sleeping aids over-the-counter sleeping aids uh, also can have a lot of um, anticholinergic side effects alcohol use and drug use so alcohol can definitely affect cognitive problems either by direct toxicity or also by creating nutritional problems like thiamine deficiency or vitamin b12 deficiency that can cause dementia Uh, we need to get uh, uh, a good family history uh, because there is family uh, uh, family uh, uh, there is the genetic uh, risk factor Uh, So, having a first degree relative with dementia may increase the risk of dementia. Having multiple family uh, members with dementia is really concerning for a possible uh, hereditary disease or uh, autosomic dominant uh, disease. Uh, Some genes can increase the risk uh, of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, We have the ApoE4 gene, the APP gene, and presenolin 1 and 2 genes. Uh, Some genes increase the risk. Uh, for frontotemporal dementia, we have C9ORF72, uh, MAPT gene, uh, uh, progranulin genes. Uh, we need to, to, uh, to get a, a good neurological exam, and in the neurological exam, we need to check for a Parkinsonian syndrome. We need to check for gait problems, like apraxia of the gait. We need to check for release, uh, frontal release signs, like a, a, a grasping reflex. Um, we, need to, uh, we need to get uh, check for eye movement abnormalities, especially the verticality of gaze, which is an ability to look up or down. Um, we need to check for abnormal movements like tremors, chorea, choreic movements. Uh, change in vision. We look for uh, the visual field. We, we need to check for a visual field cut, for example, or perceptual changes. Uh, we need to look for focal neurological symptoms, like, for example, signs of strokes, like weakness in one arm or leg, visual field cut, language problems, or sensory loss. Uh, we look also for symptoms of systemic diseases like skin rash or swelling in the joints, and that to look for systemic disease or inflammatory disease that can affect uh, the nervous system. Uh, we also look for signs of hypoxia, uh, liver dysp- dysfunction, and abnormal sleepiness during the evaluation, which which all can um, uh, uh, can uh, signify that there is a uh, uh, an. Uh, metabolic encephalopathy. Uh, We can use some uh, cognitive assessments like a mini mental status evaluation, uh, SAGE or MACA uh, to to have an idea about how significant is the cognitive uh, impairment. Uh, And it can help us uh, determine if there is any orientation problem, if there is any visual spatial problems, uh, or if there is any memory problems. So uh, blood work is, is also necessary to, uh, to uh, check for uh, uh, reversible causes of dementia. Uh, and they're easy to check. So we can check for vitamin B12 deficiency. Uh, hypothyroid can cause cognitive problems. Metabolic encephalopathies, like if we have uh, liver dysfunction or if we have uh, electrolyte imbalance. Um, Uh, Systemic diseases and infectious causes uh, such as syphilis can also checked uh, in the blood work. Uh, We can complete the workup by uh, a brain imaging, uh, preferably a brain MRI. Uh, It can reveal uh, some regional volume loss, like, for example, it can uh, show in frontotemporal dementia, it can show uh, atrophy of the frontal lobes and temporal lobes. Uh, We check for atrophy of the hippocampus. Uh, suspicious of Alzheimer's disease we can check for strokes um, uh, and uh, we check for brain metastases it can che- we check for uh, basal ganglia abnormalities and we check for hydrocephalus other imaging modalities can be very helpful uh, like for, uh, FDG PET scan which can show uh, regional uh, decrease in metabolism uh, uh, we can check. We can also do a DAT scan if we're suspect, suspecting a Parkinsonian syndrome, and that can confirms it, uh, especially if we're suspecting uh, dementia with Lewy body. So, what are the most common causes of dementia? So, the most common cause of dementia is Alzheimer's disease. It is caused by the accumulation of abnormal proteins, which is beta, beta amyloid and uh, phosphorylated tau. Um, causing uh, amyloid plaques and, um, and um, tangles. Uh, it, is, uh, it is characterized by short-term memory, as I mentioned before, forgetting conversation, appointments, misplacing items. Uh, it's also characterized by visual-spatial problems, like getting lost, um, uh, uh, having problems recognizing faces, and so on. Uh, It it also comes with uh, some executive dysfunction, like problems with complex tasks and organizing tasks. Uh, It is considered uh, as an early onset when it starts prior to age 65. It is considered late onset when it starts after 65. Uh, The neurological exam is usually benign. We don't find any focal symptoms. We sometimes find, find some apraxia. The brain MRI will look for Uh, some hippocampal atrophy, or sometimes we just find some generalized volume loss. Uh, We we can do an FDG PET scan, which can reveal some decrease in the metabolism in temporal and and parietal lobes. So the treatment of Alzheimer's disease, of course there is no cure at this time for Alzheimer's disease, uh, and the treatment is mainly symptomatic. Uh, we use uh, we use anticholinesterase inhibitors like donepezil uh, rivastigmine and galantamine we have also uh, an mda antagonist, antagonist which is uh, the memantine we use usually a combination of both there are two new uh, disease modifying therapies that have been recently approved by the fda uh, the Aducanimab was approved in 2021 and the CANIMAB was recently approved in January 2023. Uh, they target um, uh, the amyloid plaques that, uh, uh, and, and they have a very modest benefit. Uh, they are monoclonal antibodies directed against the, the plaques. Um, what they do is they just slow down the progression by about 25%. Uh, other medications that we use uh, to treat uh, behavioral symptoms, which are very frequent in, uh, in uh, Alzheimer's disease, we can use antidepressants, we can use mood stabilizers, and antipsychotics. Uh, we, we try to use, um, uh, we try to avoid antipsychotics because they come with a box warning and, uh, and they can uh, increase the risk of death in, in older patients. Uh, vascular dementia. It has the same risk factors as stroke, uh, which are uh, high blood pressure, uh, dyslipidemia, and diabetes, um, or uh, also cardiac arrhythmias. Um, it, can, uh, it can progress gradually, but t- typically it progresses in a step, uh, step-wise manner. So there's periods of stability and then periods of, uh, of, uh, of worsening of symptoms. So it can be caused by, uh, by uh, strokes uh, in strategic areas of the brain. So sometimes only one stroke can cause significant cognitive impairment if, if it affects uh, the left basal ganglia or if it affects the, the thalamus. Sometimes one stroke in the frontal lobe can cause a lot of behavioral changes and also problems with the executive functions. Uh, the, t- the symptoms depend on the affected brain areas. Um, however, most patients have problems with executive functions. Uh, we look for history of strokes or TIAs uh, during the assessment. We look for uncontrolled high blood pressure or diabetes. On the exam, we, we, we have to look for focal signs like, for example, signs of weakness uh, or signs of sensory loss, visual field cut or language problems. The treatment, we cannot really reverse the symptoms, but we can uh, try to slow down the progression uh, by uh, preventing strokes and treating the risk factors uh, like hypertension, diabetes, and dyslipidemia. Dementia with Lewy body. Uh, It is caused by uh, the accumulation of a misfolded uh, protein, which is uh, alpha-synuclein. It usually starts after age of 65, it can start prior to 65, but it's rare. Uh, it, uh, it's characterized by a Parkinsonian syndrome, uh, visual hallucinations, uh, fluctuations of symptoms are very typical. The patients have good days and bad days. Uh, the, the progression is usually more rapid than Alzheimer's disease. On the exam. Uh, we can, we find uh, uh, we find a Parkinsonian syndrome. Sometimes the Parkinsonian syndrome uh, syndrome is subtle, and we need to uh, get uh, imaging to confirm the Parkinsonian syndrome, and that scan can confirm that. On the MRI, usually the the, the structural change, changes are very minimal. Uh, the FDG PET scan can show decrease in the metabolism in the posterior regions of the brain, like the parietal lobe and occipital lobe. Sometimes we find some decrease uh, in the metabolism in the frontal lobe. Uh, the treatment is mainly symptomatic. Uh, it, we cannot reverse this, uh, the, the disease, but uh, um, cholinesterase inhibitors can help the symptoms, especially it can ha- decrease the hallucinations and the fluctuations. Uh, frontotemporal dementia. So, uh, the behavioral variant of frontotemporal dementia, which is uh, previously known as Pick's disease, is characterized by changes in personality, uh, impulsiveness, uh, apathy, which is a lack, lack of motivation or a loss of interest in, in doing enjoyable activities. Uh, the lo- loss of empathy is very characteristic. Uh, uh, it can also manifest with inappropriate behavior, and uh, especially like social uh, inappropriate behavior. Uh, the, um, the cognitive problems can be very mild at the beginning, sometimes missing at the beginning. And, uh, and that's why it's very important to get uh, uh, the history from the family uh, because, uh, because uh, the patient would not get you the, the, the symptoms. So you have to, to get the symptoms from the family. Uh, f- from the family members, uh, primary progressive aphasia are uh, also variant of frontotemporal dementia, and they are uh, they manifest as uh, as language problems. We have uh, different types. So we have the non fluent uh, non fluent variant of frontot- of uh, of primary progressive aphasia. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, presents as uh, problems with expressing language. Uh, and also uh, there is a problem with agrammatism. In the semantic variant of, uh, of uh, primary progressive aphasia, there is a problem with understanding language and the patients lose uh, the meaning of words. The MRI usually shows uh, atrophy in the frontal and temporal lobes. Uh, the FDG PET scan can show a decrease in the metabolism in the same areas, which is frontal and temporal lobes. Uh, the treatment is only symptomatic, and uh, uh, the patients may benefit from SSRIs. And uh, if needed, we can use antipsychotics also for aggression and agitation. Um, other degenerative dementias, we have. Uh, uh, there are more rare. We have uh, cortical basal degeneration. Um, It it is characterized by asymmetric Parkinsonian syndrome, but there's also problems with proprioception and we can see the phenomenon of alien hand uh, uh, syndrome, alien hand in one side. Uh, uh, PSP, uh, which is Progressive supranuclear Palsy, it is characterized by Parkinsonian syndrome, uh, with paralysis of vertical gaze. That's why it's really important to check uh, on the exam to check for eye movements. Uh, there is also gait problems, and the patients tend to fall backwards. Uh, cr- uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It is characterized by a history of uh, multiple traumas or concussions. Uh, the behavioral changes are prominent and very frequent, uh, and the progression is very similar to Alzheimer's disease. Uh, we can also have infectious causes of dementia that include HIV. Uh, uh, syphilis can cause also reversible uh, dementia. Um, PML and CJD, CJD, uh, Creutzfeldt-Jacob uh, disease. Uh, it's a proliferation of a, uh, an abnormally folded prion, prion protein. Uh, normal pressure hydrocephalus. It's very uh, important to recognize it because there is, a, there is potential for some reversal of symptoms. Uh, it is characterized by uh, the triad uh, cognitive impairment, gait apraxia, and urinary incontinence. Um, a lumbar uh, a puncture, however, uh, we, we can do a high volume lumbar puncture. Uh, it, it can reverse the gait problems, but usually not the cognitive problems. So the best candidates for the procedure are patients uh, with severe gait problems and mild cognitive issues. Uh, There uh, are other causes of dementia that are really potentially treatable. Uh, We need to check for vitamin deficiencies, uh, vitamin B12 deficiency and B1 deficiency. Uh, We look for history of weight loss, severe weight loss and rapid weight loss, uh, malnutrition and alcohol use. Endocrine disorders like hypothyroid uh, can cause uh, memory problems, uh, parathyroid problems, and adrenal problems can do that too. Metabolic problems like uremia when there is a severe uh, kidney dysfunction, uh, hepatic dysfunction can cause uh, a high ammonia level and cause hepatic encephalopathy with significant cognitive problems, Uh, cardiopulmonary failure. Um, can can cause some hypoxia and and can um, uh, can cause uh, uh, metabolic encephalopathy uh, autoimmune inflammatory and perineoplastic causes. Uh, usually cause a, uh, an acute or rapid, rapidly progressive uh, decline. So whenever we see a rapidly progressive decline, it is really crucial to make sure it's not inflammatory or perineoplastic. Uh, the, the symptoms are very largely uh, variable. They can, we can have cognitive issues, behavior issues. We can also have seizures and focal neurological signs. Uh, psychiatric Ill- illnesses, as I mentioned before, depression can manifest as pseudo-dementia in elderly, uh, and, and it really looks like, like a real dementia. Medication side effects, uh, uh, the treatment for psychiatric illness can affect cognitive function. Uh, anticholinergic medications and benzo- benzodiazepines and opiates can affect the cognitive function. Uh, the cancers via the metastasis of the, uh, in the brain uh, brain tumors, uh, mass effects, and also perineoplastic synd- symptoms. Um, I will let my friend Gubin talk about the uh, management of dementia. Thank you so much,
2: Dr. Bukarchi. Um, I'm going to talk about the management of dementia, the objectives for this part of the talk. Uh, including be familiar with the non-pharmacological interventions for management of dementia, understand how to manage non-cognitive symptoms. Here's the outline. The, the drug therapy, non-drug therapy, nutrition, polypharmacy, reduce cardiovascular risk factors, management of neuropsychiatric symptoms, and the caregiver support. So this slide is a summary for FDA-approved drug therapy for Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Bukhari already talked about that. You can review this slides as well. So the non-pharmacological approaches is very important during our practice because a lot of times we can offer the patient is not a candidate for drug therapy. So we talk about exercises, cognitive exercises, social interactions, and diet modification. So regarding the physical exercises, long-term and short-term, long-term studies show that it can slow down the progression of physical decline, reduce the risk of falls, reduce the risk of uh, depression or agitation. the good the very good exercise is just a walk with the family members or we work with the caregivers or do some stretching exercises, Tai Chi, all this exercise helps. For the cognitive exercise, commonly our patients see my brain exercises, that's including reading, video games, puzzles, or learning something new. Um, that will help maintain the memory and the cognitive function. Social interaction is very important. Um, Physicians and the caregivers should encourage the patient to participate in group group activities with the friends, attend the family events, and sometimes the patient still can do some volunteer work. That's all help. If the dementia progressed progressed, and the patient can enroll enroll in the adult daycare and then the group activity will help the patient as well. We all know that a balanced diet can help to reduce the cardiovascular risks and maintain a health weight. So this is important for everybody, not just for patients with Alzheimer's disease. So polypharmacy is very common in geriatric patients. So first thing, we try to avoid medications that may cause cognitive impairment, the medications with the strong anticholinergic effects, benzodiazepines, opioids, and the antipsychotic drugs. We know that sometimes we have to use that to treat the behavior issues, but to try to win that off. I will talk about more for this, this kind of class of medication later. Next one is to reduce the pill burden. Oftentimes our patient is taking five, six, seven, even 15 medications. We always need to review the medications at every visit, try to discontinue the medications that are not necessary or ineffective. Importantly, try to not to prescribe medications to treat the side effect of other medications. For example, if we start the patient on donapazole to treat the Alzheimer's disease, the patient develops diarrhea. So do not prescribe Imodium to treat the diarrhea, instead of just go back and review the medication to see whether really we need to win this, the donapazole off. Next one, we talk about cardiovascular risk factors. This is so important that we always manage that in our clinic, including hypertension, diabetes. Here I want to mention is orthostatic hypotension. It's very common in the geriatric patients. So studies show that symptomatic and asymptomatic orthostatic hypotension can cause cognitive impairment and also can make the cognition worse. So just need to pay a lot of attention to this. If the patient has a history of um, TIA or stroke, uh, start the anti therapy, aspirin or Plavix. If the patient has uh, hyperlipidemia, we can start a statin therapy. Nutrition. So we know... Um, Weight gain is less common in patients with dementia. Sometimes because of the disinhibition, the patient needs more, more carbs or needs more sweets can cause weight gain, but less common. Weight loss is very common in patients with dementia, especially in the advanced dementia. The patient oftentimes, they are frail. So the causes, including decreased sensation of taste and smell, they lost the ability to prepare their meals. Sometimes we, we see the patient regularly. One time the patient seems like lost a lot of weight. And I ask the patient to do a little cognitive test. The patient got some co- cognitive, cognitive impairment. And I ask the patient, how do you prepare the meals? They really cannot tell you. So this is the alarm time to do a cognitive, a cognitive evaluation. Uh, another common cause is sl- swallowing issues, dent- dental issues. The patient the denture is not appropriate, it causes pain, the patient cannot really use the denture to eat. In the advanced dementia, the patient loses their ability to eat independently. So management of weight loss is Sometimes it's challenging. We'll always review the medications to see the medications that cause weight loss. Uh, for example, if the patient has diabetes, taking metformin, we can think about to stop the metformin or switch it to another um, diabetes medications. If we start the patient on donapazole, the patient develops develop a diarrhea, develop nausea, vomiting, poor appetite, losing weight. We may need to go back to evaluate the medications to see whether we need to discontinue the medication. Another strategy is to try to uh, enhance the taste and the flavor, flavor of the food, add more spicy to the food, and cook some um, the flavored food for the patient. Refer the patient to speech therapy is very important. A lot of times they help us to train the patient how to swallow to improve the nutritional status. Of course, refer the patient to dentist for the dentures is important. Um, several studies show that high-calorie supplements can promote weight gain. And also studies show that appetite stimulants with low quality evidence. So we are uh, usually, we do not recommend to start lemegas, this kind of medications because of the side effect. Oral assistant feeding is recommended for pa- patients who cannot eat independently. Long-term tuber feeding should, be, should not be recommended in patients with advanced dementia. This is the important part, because in the hospital, oftentimes the geriatrics get counsels for tube feeding. And we, we really do not recommend this, like a PEG tube, because compared to the oral feeding, the, compared to the hand feeding, um, the tube feeding does not decrease the risk for aspiration pneumonia. there's no benefit for weight gain, no benefit for prevention of pressure ulcers, and also may increase the agitation because the PEC tube in there, the patient try to pull that out, cause agitations, cause dysfunction of the, the feeding tube. So next one is the neuropsychiatric symptoms. Oftentimes, it is more challenging than the cognitive symptoms. Significant impact, quality of life of the patient and the caregiver. The common symptoms include depression, behavior disturbance, and the sleep disorder. Many studies show that 80 to 90 percent of the patients have one or more of these symptoms. And we know that behavior disturbance are leading factors for nursing home placement. First of all, we'll talk about depression. It is common in patients with early stage of dementia. Sometimes the patient in the clinic with some cognitive impairment with with depression, and then we are not sure which caused which. So we can have a trial of SSRIs, sotelopram, Test escitalopram all helpful. Just to keep in mind that sotelopram, the dose should not be greater than 20 milligrams daily in a patient 60 or older because it, it can cause QT prolongation and also get a EKG beforehand if the QTC greater than 500, try to avoid it. And try to avoid M-tripling, non-tripling, this kind of antidepressant with the strong anticholinergic effects. We talk about sleep disorder. It's very common. We know that a circadian rhythm disturbance is common in our patient with dementia. Um, so first of all, we try some non-pharmacological measures. Encourage regular daytime activities. Try to minimize daytime napping, have a consistent bedtime routine is helpful. And also make sure the sleeping environment is quiet and comfortable. Encourage our patients to get the natural light therapy. Take the patient outside to enjoy the sunlight frequently will help the sleeping for the patient. If this all these measures do not work, we can try some medications. Number one, we try, first we try melatonin. If not working, we can try lower dose of Trazodone. Oftentimes, I start with a very lower dose, like a 25 milligram before bedtime. And also can try metazapine, 7.5 milligram before bedtime. You can titrate up the dose based on the symptoms. Next one is the behavior disturbance, this including delusion, hallucinations, agitation, aggression, wandering, disinhibition. The common causes including delirium, drug adverse side effect and oral medication withdrawal and control the pain, sleep disturbance. So as a physician we always think about and evaluate the possible reversible causes. And then the first line choice for the management is non pharmacological approach. There are many measures here I just list a few examples. First I try to redirect and reassure the patients. You know patients with a cognitive impairment oftentimes they feel like unsafe especially in a new environment. We need to constantly tell the patient here, this is not a home, this is a hotel or hospital, or a, a, this nothing cause harm. We are here, we are taking care of you to reassure the patient. And also try to accommodate the behavior, not try to control them. Sometimes the patient insists want to sit sleep on the floor. We just put a mattress on the floor. Make sure it's comfortable and safe, and let the patient sleep there. And also try to keep the same daily routines, very important, the meal times, the sleeping times, activity times. Try to keep that consistent. Provide the objects and photos to the patient in the new, especially in the new environment, is very important. When the patient is in a hospital, they moved from the emergency room to the radiology to the floor. They got totally confused. That they don't know where they were. And then we can ask the family to bring some uh, purse or toys. The patient favorite, family photos can make the patient happy. And then they feel like a safe, safer in, in that manner. We talk of this several times, review the medications, review the medication to make sure there's no medication, the medications, to, no new medications causing the agitations, the behavior issues. Um, here I want to man- mention is management of the pain. It's very challenging for patients patient in advanced dementia. We need to um, talk to the patient to see the facial expressions Non-verbal expressions, we do a thorough physical exa- examination. If we feel that the patient gets some pain either in the knee joint or in the back, can start a trial of pain medications first with Tylenol and then do further evaluation. Now we are going to talk about the pharmacological therapies for the behavior disturbance. If the patient has moderate to, uh, mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease with the behavior issues, we, try, we can try cholinesterase inhibitors, especially in patients with lewd body dementia, and the studies show that it can help the behavior issues. Next uh, class of medications will be antidepressant. We can try citalopram. Several studies show that c- citalopram can help the behavior issues in patients with the dementia. If the patient has a sleeping disturbance, we can try a lower dose of metazapine. Um, now we are going to talk, talk about antipsychotics for behavior disturbance. Keep that in mind, it is not the first-line choice. Uh, it's off-label use for behavior, behavior issues in patients with dementia. Only use if the symptoms have the potential to cause harm to the patients or the others or if the non-pharmacological measures have failed. FDA requires a black box warning for antipsychotics, including atypical and atypical, because it it can increase the risk of all-cause mortality in geriatric patients with dementia. Before starting the medications, I always explain the side, side effects of the medications to the patient and the family. The medication choices including olanzapine and quetiapine, you can start with the lowest dose and the titrate up the dose based on the patient's symptoms. Get a EKG before start antipsychotics. If the QTC greater than 500, or the patient is on medications that can cause QT prolongation, try to avoid it. Um, this is not the long-term treatment for dementia, so we need to evaluate the symptom frequently, try to win the medication off as possible. Here I want to mention that quindiazepine is the preferred Agents for patients with Parkinson's disease and lower body dementia, if they have behavior issues, because it has less EPS side effect. Um, Motor stimulizers, very limited evidence is off-label use. Um, If the antipsychotics does not help or the patient that has some QT prolongation, we cannot use that class of medication, can try code, start with the lowest dose, the same thing for, this is the basic rule for all geriatric patients. And also avoid the benzodiazepine and the anti-chor- anticholinergic medications for patient with behavioral disturbance. This is the last, and not the least, the caregiver support. Um, Very challenging to take care of the patient with dementia. We always, physicians as us, we always need to provide counseling for the family members and the caregivers about coping skills, stress and time management, help the family and the caregivers to identify sources for volunteer help. The family members, I always say, ask the grandchildren if they can to spend some time with the grandparents, friends, and the church members, schedule regular breaks and the respite for the caregiver. Uh, Enroll in the adult daycare and the respite program, and so the caregivers can get some regular daytime break and can take a shorter vacation. That's when having the care coordinators in our office, in the physician's office, is super helpful, including the social workers and our nurses. They can provide the counseling for the caregiver burdens. They can help the patient to get the information of the resources for their help. Also can use the local support group and the online support resources, Alzheimer's Disease Association, rich and savvy caregiver. The website, the list, list here, can give this to the caregivers of the family members. Here are the ref- references for my pro- part of the talk. Um, that's all for today. Thank you so much for your attention.
1: Thank you both so much. That was super helpful. I know it's a lot of information to go through in a very short period of time, but that was a really great overview and uh, extremely helpful. Now, Quibin, um, one thing that sometimes I hear from patients who have dementia and are, are on the medications is that they um, don't notice any benefits. So are we supposed to see improvement in cognitive function or is it more medications to prevent progression of disease?
2: So the current drug therapies for, for Alzheimer's disease mainly Based on the clinical studies, only can slow down the progression some, uh-huh. cannot reverse the dementia. Uh-huh. So the caregivers and the patient probably cannot see the changes because this is very tiny, not, not uh-huh. much. Uh-huh. So still, the, even though the patient on the medications, the cognitive impairment continue to decline, but in a lower rate. Got
1: it. Okay. So you're not going to see anything dramatic. People won't necessarily feel the difference when they take the medications. Um, Now, in terms of social supports, can you discuss some of the things that can be helpful for a patient to remain independent at home?
2: Yeah. Basically, when we see patients in the clinic, always ask, who do you live with? Who is (laughs) your contact to? So mainly we just uh, ask for the the family members. Uh-huh. The friends, the neighbors, and also can uh, talk to the, the family, the caregiver, and the patient about the about daycare as super helpful, uh-huh. and the respite as well. Uh-huh. And also, the, as we talk about in, in, in the presentation, the, the care coordinators of the social work and the, uh, the nurses in our clinic so always can provide the resources for the patient as well.
1: Okay, perfect. And Sumia, now, is it critical? You mentioned a lot of different forms, a lot of different types of diagnosis of dementia. Is it important to know exactly what type of dementia the patient has?
3: I think it is very important to recognize the the, the type of dementia and have a, a an accurate diagnosis because uh, the different type of dementia progress differently, and uh-huh. we really need to recognize uh, the reversible causes of cognitive impairment. Uh huh.
1: Okay. Perfect. And then, um, what it, you know, you mentioned that there's some dementias like Alzheimer's um, that are linked to genetic mutations. So, do you? recommend genetic testing for
3: Alzheimer's patients? I usually do not recommend uh, genetic testing for all my patients with Alzheimer's. Uh However, it is sometimes uh, interesting to know uh, if there is a risk uh, for for transmission of the disease, if there is uh, multiple family members with the disease, or if there is any risk uh, of of, uh, hereditary uh, forms of, of Alzheimer's. Uh huh. So what can we
1: do with that information if we know that it could be hereditary? Is there a way to prevent
3: uh, dementia? We do not. We, there's no way we can uh, we can prevent things from progressing. However, uh, family family members uh, and patients want to know if um, they may benefit from from genetic counseling uh-huh. for the next generations to come. OK.
1: And then Guibin, last question. Um, you know, a lot of times um, issues of independence, guardianship, advanced care planning come up for these patients. Are there specific things that you want to make sure your patients are aware of or family members are aware of in regards to um, advanced care planning? Yes, uh, basically,
2: in our clinical when we do the cognitive assess- assessment, that's a part of our in the uh, assessment and plan uh-huh. so basically we want to get this talk to the patient and when their memory is still okay they still can make the decision uh-huh. we want to hear from the patient and the family most
1: the family always appreciate that uh-huh. mm-hmm. yes that is definitely very helpful thank you both so much for coming and um, giving us this wonderful presentation we're going to finish up today's program with a final key point from each presenter sumia
3: uh, the purpose of the presentation is to recognize uh, the most common types of, uh, of dementia, but, but mainly to recognize the reversible causes of, of cognitive impairment.
2: Perfect. And Guiben? So we talk about the management of dementia. It's very challenging, as you know. Um, drug therapy is important, but non-drug therapy is very important as
1: well. And don't forget the caregiver support. huh Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to claim your CME credit and your ABIM MOC points for watching by logging onto our website, ccme.osu.edu, and taking our post-test. Next week is a break, but join us again in two weeks with Dr. Kara Wada to discuss lifestyle medicine. That's all for today. Thank you for tuning in, and farewell until next time.